Here's something that you could totally see a sports guy saying to his wife. My wife always tells me that it's God, baseball, then her. I tell her no, but she's absolutely right. Okay, this isn't just a guy who loves baseball. I'm Dillard University's head baseball coach, Trenish Grant. And this isn't just any baseball team. It's the first baseball team in Dillard University history. The 2023 season is the Blue Devils' inaugural baseball season. I'm Tan Trung, and this week in the Tan Report, we're at baseball practice. Better right there. One job. I'm standing behind home plate, in between head coach Trennis Grant and his assistant Matt Ribera. There are only three players on the field, a pitcher, a catcher, and a batter. There's a protective barrier and netting separating us from the players. I hear Coach Grant calling out a series of numbers to the catcher. Zero, zero, 004. Come on, get there. Tight the zone. Hey, uh, 405. You gotta throw strikes. I'm a basketball dude, so this sounds pretty foreign to me. I asked Coach Grant about these numbers he keeps calling for. I'm calling pitches. It's okay. a chart. I'm just giving the catcher the number. He has a band on his wrist with where he where it tells him two numbers on, up top, and go. then he goes go. down to the last number. So you're calling out for him? So too. I'm calling out for him, and he relays it to the pitcher with his hand signals. Coach Ribera has a clipboard in one hand. In the other hand is a radar gun to clock the speed of the pitches. The drill's setup allows for the coaches to assess pitchers. Hey, trust that back leg. Trust that back leg with a good fluid load right there. And then let's unleash. And the hitters who rotate in. It's like live ABs. It's simulated. It's basically for the pitchers to get work against live hitters and the hitters to get work against live pitching. Like in many other sports and like many other coaches, evaluations can be very blunt. But why swing that fastball up in the zone? Right? Where are you supposed to be swinging at? Fastball and where? In your zone. In your zone. That does us no good. You just got yourself 0-1. The pitchers get the same treatment. Stop trying to throw as hard as you can and throw strikes. How about that? Can't miss to the other side of the plate. Can't call pitches if you're not going to execute. Then you guys wonder why we get hit. Make them hit. Make them hit. That's all I care about. Easy out. On this day, practice is at Wesley Barrow Stadium in the Pontchartrain Park neighborhood of New Orleans. There's a reason for that. Dillard University's fledgling baseball team doesn't have its own home field. It's just one of the challenges of building a baseball program from the ground up. The biggest struggle is not just not knowing where we're going to play our home games, but at the end of the day, like I told the guys, hey man, we got to make Dillard want to build us something because we're doing so great. We're doing so good. We're drawing that national attention and all the alumni want to give um, and not just give to the baseball program. They want to give to the entire athletics. They want to give more to the university. Dillard University is part of the network of historically black colleges and universities or HBCUs in the U.S. Dillard's campus opened in 1935. And like fellow HBCUs, their student populations are generally smaller than what some call PWIs or public white institutions. And because of a myriad of historical factors, the athletic programs of HBCUs often don't get the funding or media attention that PWIs may receive. So if you're Dillard University and you're starting a baseball team, it may take time for you to get your own practice facility or stadium. And if you want a head coach, you may not be able to offer the million-dollar salaries that some schools are offering. In Coach Grant's case, he'd been making more money before Dillard. But like many things in life, it's all about perspective. Grant spent several years volunteering as an assistant coach at different colleges. His story gives us a glimpse into the life of someone chasing down a dream. 
and the sacrifices made along the way. He got his start in coaching in 2014 after graduating college. What was the aspect for you coaching at HBCU? How important was that to you? I can't say it wasn't important um, because, I, I mean, when you really look at my career, I started off at PWI, Division III School in Hendricks, but then after that, I've been to four, what's one, two, three, four, four different HBCUs. So um, it's in my roots. It's where I come from. I mean, in Mississippi, where I'm from, we have three HBCUs. Well, actually more, um, the three that I know of all the time, Valley, Jackson State, Alcorn, um, so those are the three that we used to always take tours to, and I used to go to their football games. So it's in my blood, but at the end of the day, I don't care where I coach. Right? I just want the opportunity. Like I tell everybody, man, out of these eight years of coaching, it's been very tough. I pay my dues. I volunteer. I did all those things, in my opinion, that I needed to do and do it the right way, and I just have to be better. Is this your first head coaching job? This is my first head coaching job. Um, this is my Congratulations. S- thank you, thank you. This is my second time uh, being paid. I've been at five different schools. I've been volunteer at three of those schools. So out of those eight years, I've only been paid for three of those. So. It's got to be a humbling experience. It's very humbling. But at the same time, what, like I told you, I'm a hustler. I figure things out. Um, I, I had to figure out how I was going to provide for my family, with my wife and my daughters, and then my other, my other son and daughter. So I had to figure those things out. Coach Grant really had to figure things out when COVID canceled virtually everyone's plans. He was an assistant at Alabama A&M when the pandemic began. So when I was at Alabama A&M, me and the head coach got let go the day they canceled everything. So it was like, oh, so we don't have any money. They, they said I'm going to get one more check. And then so now I got to get out here. So I was out there hustling, trying to find odd jobs. So I would uh, I, I was umpiring, right? I was scheduled to umpire every weekend. I was going to make 500 bucks every, every weekend, right? Then that got cut. Because of COVID, I was looking for jobs. People stopped hiring because of COVID. They didn't know what was going to happen. It was right in that March and that April span where nobody knew. Thank God that unemployment kicked in and they were able to give us something. And that helped me tremendously. My wife was still working. She had, we had just, and also we just had a baby. July, January 21st, literally 2020. We just had a a baby. We had a lot going on. And she's all of two months in. I can't sit there and look that little baby in the eye. I can't get you formula. I can't get you milk. Um, I had to do what I had to do. Eventually, he was able to land a job with Amazon. The family moved to Tennessee. We were in Tennessee. I was working for Amazon, making really, really great money. And I was working from home. She was working from home. My income took care of everything. She was just working a part-time job and going to school. Financially, the Amazon job was providing more than coaching ever had. But similar to when you're in love... The heart sometimes tells you to do something that maybe your brain would question. Grant found himself in that situation when a chance to get back into coaching opened up at Southern University in Baton Rouge. So we were fine. We were good. And then all of a sudden I get a call from Coach Crenshaw at Southern. I'm about to be the interim head coach. You want to come help? But I don't have no money. I can get you an apartment. I was like, "Uh, I want to do it so bad, man. You know my nature, but... I got to ask the wife. Uh, and at first, she was, her first word was initially, no, we're not doing that. We can't do it. We got to make sure we're stable. We don't know what's going to happen with COVID. What if, what if we chasing a dream and then all of a sudden it gets taken away from us again? But remember what we heard at the beginning about Coach's wife saying it's God, baseball, and then her? She knew her husband too well, and she knew he wouldn't stop pursuing his passion for coaching. 
Uh, eventually, she kind of came around because she knew the goal and everything like that. And fortunately, we went to Southern and people just chipped in, helped. Um, you know, I got a job at Marucci. They let me come to work whenever I could. And, uh, and, and we had an apartment. We paid half the rent because a lot of our guys stayed there. But uh, we had a four-bedroom apartment and paying $700 total with lights and everything. So we were doing really well. Um, and we had we were able to pay our car note, insurance, just do everything that we needed to do. Yeah, of course it was tough. So let me get this right, though. So you were you were working at Amazon before you came here. Yes. So you had a full time job with benefits, I'm sure. In 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 making in, money in HR. I was making more than I make here, for sure, <laughs> easily. <laughs> so and why come? I mean, when when Dillard called, like, why why go? The funny thing is, man, and I keep telling this story. I was getting ready for my season at Southern when Dillard called me. Um, I applied for Dillard. I go back and look at the email all the time and think, like, she never even said anything to me. I applied for Dillard in October. I emailed the AD a little while after. She didn't respond. So I figured, okay, I don't know what this job is anyway, so whatever. Um, And then January, the secretary come calling me and say, hey, would you be interested in an interview? I was like, for who? Dillard University. Okay, what? Where's this at again? Oh, it's in New Orleans. Oh, it's going to be a virtual interview first. Okay, cool. I didn't prepare. Like, I use, I'm usually well-prepared. I have great documents, a plan for the program, all those different things. I'm well-prepared. I was not prepared for that interview. I went in there, did it begrudgingly, because I was like, they probably not going to like me anyway. I'm just getting ready for my season. I'm ready to win another championship at Southern. Southern. So, did it, told my plan. I don't know what I said, but they loved it. They liked it. I got brought back as a finalist, and my interview with the AD, we had a great conversation. We didn't. She asked me maybe two questions, and our interview was supposed to last maybe 30, 40 minutes. It lasted so long, it spilled into the next person's interview. So Obviously, he got the job, but it wasn't just about money. Because if Grant was still working at Amazon, he'd be making more than he currently does as the head of DU Baseball. But there's a big point in that. He's now a head coach. I prayed for to be a head coach by 35. I got it two years early. I'm 33, so I got it two years early. He considers the pay he gets as extra, or as we like to say down here, it's lanyap. You know how I love baseball. And if I get paid to do it, I, if, keyword, if I get to get paid to do it, get, I don't have to get paid. Because you've That's, done it for free. I've done it for free. I get to get paid to, to coach baseball? Come on. That's a, that, that's like... That's like me getting a million dollars, in my opinion. What is it about baseball? What, what does baseball mean to you that keeps you going like this? Because it's a lot of sacrifice that you're doing. Most right definitely. And your family. Most definitely. Oh, man, I, I, it, the thing and the love for baseball, why I want to coach, why I do it, I really, really cannot explain it to you. Because I'd be a crazy man trying to figure out to give you a logical reason of why I want to do this. Right? There's no money in it. It's not, you know, it's not glamorous. You're up all the time. It's not very secure. It's not very secure. Where coaches come and go. When did you start playing baseball? What what was your career like? I think I started when I was, my dad played baseball. My mom was a softball player. Um, And I started probably three, maybe. Uh, I'm not really sure on that part, but I've never been off the field since then. Um, So, college, uh, Ken High School four years well actually i played in the eighth grade all the way up through my senior year 
Um, in Mississippi. In Mississippi. Came Mississippi. Um, went to Holmes Community College in Mississippi. Played two years there. Uh, went to Oklahoma Panama State. Stayed there for a semester. Didn't like it. It was 15 hours away from home. Hated it. Left there. Went to Arkansas Tech University where I finished my career as a wonder boy. And I think I had an okay career. Um, I didn't do what I thought I should have. But at the end of the day, I still did something that a lot of kids from my city don't do. Now, he's doing something no one else at Dillard University has ever done. He's coaching its baseball team. So how's your year going? Oh, um, we're three and I think 19 right now. So if there's an outsider looking at the record, we're not doing good, to be honest. We're, we're not doing good at all. But if now, if you're a baseball person and you're looking at the record and the box scores and you're looking at, okay, let's look at the box scores. Let's see if we're just doing bad all the way through the game. And it, you look at it and it tells a story. Because most of the time, we're really good through five. And then after that, we just break down. We don't bend. Like I have the saying, a bend don't break. We just break. Like we completely break. So, um, What do you think is happening in, after the fifth inning? We're just not good job. We're just not challenging uh, each other. It's not focused on what we need to do and how we need to do it. A lot of times, we don't, we don't, we're just doing stuff backwards. What would you characterize as the strengths or weaknesses of your team? I mean, just, uh, it, it is the first year, but what, what, what do you think are the strengths of your team? Um, strengths are uh, we run well. We, 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 we have the potential to pitch well. We, have, we can, I think, in my opinion, we can really hit. I mean, there's a, a lot more. Good job. But we just got to bring them out. So then when you go back to it, I'm going to say the same thing for our weaknesses. We don't compete. We don't attack the zones. We don't make hitters hit. And a lot of times with uh, a lot of times with our pit, uh, hitters, um, we watch easy pitches go by. We allow the pitchers to just sit there and just bait us, and then all of a sudden we think that we're we can hit the curveball better than the fastball. How would you grade yourself for a first year? Myself? Yeah. Like, how do you think you're doing? Horrible. Really? <laughs> yeah. Why, why would you say horrible? Because I'm very tough on myself. I mean, in my opinion, I'm a perfect uh, vision of this program. So if it's not going the way that it needs to go, then that's all on me. At the end of the day, like I tell them all the time, man, those those stats go with you. But at the end of the day, a lot of people are gonna not going to look at the stats. The first thing they click on is the schedule, and it's going to tell you wins and losses. So basically, that goes on my record. I know a lot of people listen to this and be like, I think you're doing really good for a first-year program. Every coach I've talked to after the game, they were always saying, you guys are really good. You guys are right there. It's just the first year. And what I tell them is, I'm tired of hearing that. What about you're a competitor. Yeah, you're I'm a competitor. That's my, that's, my, that's my juices flowing. That's my edge. So at the end of the day, I have to make sure that we're ready to get it going and ready to get it going right now. Do you have to give yourself a bit of a break, though, because you're building a program? This is the first, <laughs> this is the, this is the first year. Can you give yourself a break at all? I need to because I'm losing hair. Uh, you can't tell under this hat, but I do need to give myself a break. I need to sit back and, and, and take this, the small moments um, instead of looking at the big picture. And I, I assist myself daily. I, I look at what I need to do better daily. Um, that's just the way um, that I am. But at the end of the day, if I'm a competitor, I'm a competitor. I've been that way since I was little. I mean, and whether it was fighting with my brothers over food or just doing little stuff, uh, just trying to make sure that I come on top of everything. I, that's what I'm trying to teach them. Have that competitive edge because the world out that we live in today is not going to give you anything. Having gained the life experiences that only age can provide, Grant says he's coaching his players to understand their position on the diamond 
but perhaps more importantly, their position in life. Because I'm not just out here raising baseball players. I'm raising young men. I'm raising husbands. I'm raising uh, future entrepreneurs, uh, future leaders in this world. Baseball taught me about a lot about life. Like, this is a game of failure. So they say if you can get three hits out of ten, you're successful. So you only tell me I got to do something consistently three times out of ten and I can be successful? Okay, I like my chances right there. What I usually do is I use baseball to give them examples about life. And my life has been good and bad. Um, and I always tell them, there's nothing you can, you would do that would fool me. Because I promise you, Coach Grant has done it ten times worse. I'm a living example of for them what not to do. But... Uh, look at how my life turned out. Yes, I'm a kid from a black neighborhood, um, been on food stamps, where for all those different things. But at the end of the day, look at where I've come from and look at where I'm at now. I tell these guys all the time, we get to play baseball. We don't have to play this. This ain't something that's guaranteed to us. Academically, we're a very strong group. Um, 3.1 first year. Um, my goal was 3.25. We were just one point away from that. And we can be, in my opinion, we can be so much better. Those guys at the bottom, I said, hey, how about if you get to this GPA, look what this takes us. So um, we're working on it. It's interesting because obviously we can fall very easily in the trap of just talking about baseball most and stats. But I found it interesting that you mentioned GPA because most coaches. I, it's I important. It's, it's important because, again, we're at, we're at NIA program in this first year. I, I've already looked them in my, their eyes and said, hey, man, out of four years, it may be one of you go pro. That's less than 5%. Professor, you got to get jobs. You got to have careers. We got to be CEOs, entrepreneurs. We got to be managers of banks and, and restaurants and all those different things. How are we going to provide for our families? In many ways, Grant is living his dream of coaching. But there's also the reality of doing it for an HBCU. And one that, until this year, never had a baseball team. When it comes to recruiting, it's all uphill. Most of the bigger programs, they may not, they may be one or two kids off, but they're not recruiting 2023 anymore. Most of them are not even recruiting 2024, the class of 2024 anymore. They're on 25 and 26. So that's why you see a lot of sophomores and freshmen getting offers from LSU, you know, the bigger schools. But at the end of the day, I'm still on 2023. I haven't even gotten a commitment for this 2023 class. And then here's a problem. Like, I know a lot of times at HBCUs, we always say, well, you got to recruit more black kids. I don't care what you are. You just have to understand where you're coming to. You got to understand, okay, you're coming to HBCU, right? Majority, you're going to be the minority now if you're a white kid. You're going to be my minority now if you're Hispanic, Asian, or if you're purple. You're going to be minority. So you don't care, though. You just I, want a player. No, I want a player that wants to be here. I want a player that wants to be here and wants to represent Dillard. Because at the end of the day, when we put that jersey on, it's going to say Blue Devils or Dillard across the front. Like I tell my guys all the time, make sure we protect the shield, right? That D using that shield for a reason. You got to protect it. You got to protect it. You got to make sure you take care of home. So that's what we're out here doing. It doesn't matter about color or anything like that. I want to make sure that we, we still provide that culture. We want to be that HBCU. Of course, you want to have all your kids being African-American. But at the end of the day, Every, every school in the country is recruiting, like, the, the really good African-American kids. Guess where they're going? They're going to LSU. Trey Morgan, great, great baseball player. I think he's going to be a heck of a baseball player when he gets to Major League. But he's at LSU, right? I'm, I have to, and at the same time, I'm still, I still don't get the kids that I really want because I have to fight the other HBCUs in Division One. I got to fight Southern. 
I gotta fight Mississippi Valley, Alcorn, Jackson State, Alabama State. I, like, and then when I lose kids to them, I tell coach all the time, "Hey man, we were on a really good kid. They see it, we saw it, so we're we're evaluating correctly. So we just gotta figure out." Um, how do we go about it a little bit differently so we can get those commitments early and they stay with us? Going into this job, Coach Grant knew it was going to be hard to recruit against other schools. But he says he's committed to finding more players for Dillard's budding baseball program and the university's mission as a historically black university. In my opinion, if it's difficult for me, um, I know I'm going to learn some lessons out of it. If it's easy and I can just do it with ease, that's not good for me because I'm just going to coast through it. I'm going to figure out shortcuts. I'm not going, yeah, I'm not growing. I'm not going to fully be invested in it. So this right here, I'm fully invested. We're building. That's the ultimate thing. We're building. We're growing. The recruits see it. They're calling me. They're texting me. Emails full. The president sees it with the GPA. The administration sees it with the guys being on campus. You got 40 new young males on campus that you didn't have last year. And these are some of those 40 young men. Quality Williams in Tampa, Florida. Nico Pena, Chicago, Illinois. George Alvarez, San Antonio, Texas. Elias Provo, Plaquemine, Louisiana. Willie Green, Houston, Texas. Regardless of what the Blue Devils' record will be at the end of this season, it'll be historic because it was the first. That's very important to me, and like I tell these guys all the time, man, it's about that history. You're building for not only next year and the year after, building for teams down the road. There should be a picture of all of us on a wall, on the Hall of Fame wall, and when we come back in 10 years, we should always be at a dealer baseball game cheering them on because we know where it started. In New Orleans, I'm Ton Trung for WWL Radio.